Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA playoff game. If either team hits a three-pointer in the game, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use code CHAMPION200 when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 in free bets if either team hits a three in any NBA playoff game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this... But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. What's up, everybody, and welcome to a very special Monday night C2C. We're live at C2Cradioshow.com, Sprinker.com, NewAttitudeMedia.com, and even simulcasting tonight through Twitch.tv slash NewAttitudeMedia. It's quarter-to-corner time. I'm Stan Grubb, and my tag team partner, as always, Brian Taylor. Wait, does that mean I can label myself TTV? Twitch TV. Does that mean I've hit the big time? Do it, buddy. Do it. You are a TTV superstar. That's right. So from now on, I will be referred to as TTV BT. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know how that's going to play out, but why not? You got to do, do air quotes around TTV, though. Well, I, I don't have the camera on right now. It's just uh, streaming through a crawl and a, uh, a background. So I don't just, care. Uh, we're just testing care. things. We're still moving stuff along. But uh, you can catch up with us at C2CRadioShow.com right now. Join the chat. Join the action. Tell us what you think about Monday Night Raw as it's airing right now. Um, we got Jinder Mahal making his return this week as he's being joined by two guys from NXT. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you, Brian. I, I don't know these guys' names. Um, I know that they were kind of a a mock-up of what Authors of Pain could have been, only if they had long hair. Kind of similar styles, similar builds. Um, and they are of, uh, is it proper to say Middle Eastern descent or Saudi Arabian descent? 
either way, that's they're all from the same relative area as the characters. But uh, we got a lot to talk about, man. Uh, wrestling has been just nonstop with news and craziness. There's there's Garbage Gate. There's Blood and Guts. There's Dynamite. There's WWE 2K22. Even some news and notes on that. But but how about something we just found out about? Like, literally, just now. Just now. Live from WrestlingHeadlines.com. We get... Headline that says Sasha Banks included on four-year considerations for the Emmys for her role in The Mandalorian. Um, for her consideration, actually, and here's the poster. It is listed on the post, Brian, and to your answer your earlier question, Pedro Pascal is up for consideration for lead actor. But Sasha Banks for guest starring, um, and of course she is listed as Mercedes Vernado, so she's going by her real name. Uh, Gina Carano, supporting actress. Oh, Stanley. Yes, sir. Stanley. <laughs> Can you hear me now, Brian? Hello. Can you wow. hear me now? Are you there, though? Skype, our Can friend and neighbor. Can you hear me? I do. <clears throat> oh, okay. Good, good. So, uh, so, like... I guess I don't have a problem with it uh, as long as the main actor is in there. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I think she did good. I was uh, kind of shocked when I heard she was going to be in it. I watched the episodes, of course, and I thought she did a good job. I don't know if it's Emmy-worthy or whatever award it is, but more power to it. Rock it out. Uh, you know what? I- I recall the episode. It was a great episode of The Mandalorian. I, I, kind of a two-parter, I guess, because uh-huh. ultimately it leads to the season finale, which was earth-shattering. Um, but Sasha Banks in her or Mercedes in her acting debut, I thought she did a great job. Um, uh, to your point, does she deserve an Emmy? Uh, sure, I guess. Pandemic era entertainment, I guess. Maybe there's an asterisk. Not to put her down, but, you know, it's kind of tough to really disseminate how you decide on that. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if she should get it, but I guess it's kind of cool that for her first time out that uh, she's even nominated. Well, it's a huge feather in the cap for her and for her brand, but also for WWE. Um, they can tout this. They will. No doubt. No doubt in my mind. Oh, yeah. This will show up in the Did You Know section of a Monday Night Raw coming soon, uh, if not tonight, <laughs> in there in between commercial ads. But I, I'm happy for her because this gives her an opportunity where, and we talked about it the other night, and we'll get into this conversation as far as the state of women's wrestling. Um you know, this gives her a chance to really say, hey, you know what? If I don't do WWE or anywhere else, I can go act and do that. Make some money and keep keep with her brand and keep with her look. Her look. I don't know oh. Right well, I mean, she was under a helmet for a while. So. Right, right. She's bounty hunter. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, she was Mandalorian. Oh, I don't know way. if you'd call her. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is what. So did Yoda get a stupid Emmy award? Not. I mean, uh, I think Baby Yoda should have got one. The, or the whatever child his name is. did not get what? a nod. The child. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm boycotting. Bring us Grogu. What yeah, stupid until name Grogu for Yoda, gets by the way. one. 
Baby Yoda is the name, not anything else. It's it's Baby Yoda. God damn it. No, no, it's Grogu. It's yeah, Grogu. I know, but they should have kept it with yeah. Baby Yoda. Well, yeah, but that was more of a fan given name than you know. Disney's like, yeah, we're gonna watch. We're gonna string these idiots along for about six months, and then we're gonna yeah. give them the name. Grogu. That they did. That they did. They made all of us. Every fan, they're like, oh, look, it's the baby Yoda. And then they're like, ah, his name's Grogu. <laughs> All right, so uh, in other news, uh, so Stan, <laughs> so uh, yes, so now on my Twitter, it is what I said it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> is it TTV? <laughs> no, no, not that one, the other one. Ah, uh, ah! Uh, you can follow Brian Taylor right now at his new Twitter account, D's Nuts C two C. No, it's D's Nuts at C two C Radio Show. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Someone's gonna report that. You'll end up having to change it here. In a few oh, weeks. I'm sure. Somebody sure. get upset. Sure. Uh, why is this guy talking about D's Nuts? I don't understand. I don't know. Why I'm, I'm sure by the end of tonight. Like Marks, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure by the end of tonight, <laughs> I'll probably have to change it. We, uh, sorry to say, we're reporting some suspicious activity. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, screw you guys and your suspicious activity. <laughs> you know, you've not had the best of luck with cloud-based no, activity. No, really I like I'm a simple guy. I don't. Who who wants to just like invade my my social media to the point where, you know, I have to keep changing it. Well, of all the profiles in all the worlds, you know what I mean? Like, your social media for Twitter and for Facebook, it's not like it's any, full of anything but comic books, video games, and general banter with maybe five people. And I, know, and I don't mean that as an insult to you. It's just how you use it. You know, everybody right. uses it a little different. Um right. So yeah, it, it befuddles me. Your your gaming, your Xbox stuff. I understood that. I'm like, oh, if anybody has any inkling, they're they're that made sense. But like yeah. Twitter, I was like, no, no. I mean, it's, there's yeah. a reason Brian doesn't say his Twitter handle except for tonight. On the air. That's because he can't remember it. So I mean, hey, you know, I I don't mind saying it. I got over it after a while. And what this is? All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me back up here. Hold on, hold on. This is crap. What's happening right now on Monday Night Raw just pissed me off. We're done. Okay. Jinder Mahal just beat Jeff Hardy. Uh-huh. What is this fascination with Jinder freaking Mahal? He was uh, 3MB. Yeah, so was Heath Slater. But Heath Slater is uh, still, to, to my knowledge, not signed full-time. Yeah, but give him, give him, give him time. <laughs> You think he'll come back and beat Bobby Lashley? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he'll come back. Eliminate Bobby Lashley from the Rumble. What a surprise. (laughs) I just. I I mean, because. I mean, right now, Vince is like, yeah, pal. I told you he's a main event star. I mean, I. uh, I understood Three Man Band. It had comedy. You know what I mean? It had appeal. I understood the desire to try to reward Jinder for his hard work because the guy did legitimately and has continues to work hard and staying fit and looking the part. Mm-hmm. But I mean, much to 
the chagrin of myself and many wrestling fans that actually know what the hell they're looking at. Um, he's about as entertaining as watching paint dry. I, I just don't get it. Like, I don't see yes. the entertainment. I don't see the value. But let's, 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 let, let's build a puzzle, right? Let's, let's, let's open up that big 500 piece puzzle box that's I don't like got the enigma box. on it. And we're going to dump it out. By God, Stan, let's just look at the life of Jeff Hardy right now, right? So, ooh, that could be a real bad. His his brother probably did not do him any favors with the tweet about getting the Hardy Boys back together. Yeah, that probably didn't help. No, and yeah, and if I don't know when Jeff's contract is up, which should he even be remotely close? And not resigned yet, you know. You know them; they're going to assume that he, you know, where he's going next, and mm-hmm. you know they're just going to use this time to bury him. That's a damn shame. It's a damn shame in 2021 that the business is still that way. You know, and not everybody's doing business that way, but WWE is doing business that way. They just can't get oh, out of their own but- damn way. But but so it doesn't matter what they try and force feed, right? Mm-hmm. They are very much business as usual, and the usual business is from the '60s, '70s, and '80s. It's just got a new, fresh coat of paint on it. That's it. Yeah, I mean in the there's the highlights of of WWE programming right now are few and far between. You know, there's moments where we have, like, some really good stuff to look forward to. And then there's the moments where we don't, like Jinder Mahal. But coming up here in, in just a few minutes while we're simulcasting with Raw, um, you got the RK Bro, which has been just refreshing because we get to see Randy Orton with, dare I say it, some charisma? Hey, all right. Yeah. Harkening back to his Randy News Network updates. Actually, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't consider Randy having charisma. Uh, I mean, to me, it goes back to Evolution when he's when his arm was broke. <laughs> so, yeah, that's 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 what I was talking about. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't remember the Randy how... News Network. I, re- I remember the oh, I'm only fifty percent healed. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Like he would do the updates, and it was RNN, and it would show up, and he'd be, have that stupid smile, that 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 crap eating grin on his face. I just want to report that I'm 60% healed, and I'll be back soon for all my things. <laughs> I mean, I, I give him credit. The guy has accomplished a lot, and there's really not – we can make fun of him, but we can't disregard everything he's done. It's just the, the fact of the matter is, much like you just described, there's a sense of force-feeding a person because it's who you decide. Again, it's who the people in charge decide, not who the fans decided should be where. Versus looking at, and we're going to talk about this in depth, I'm pretty sure, this past Wednesday, where, realistically speaking, the fans dictated the tempo and the pacing and the matchmaking for Blood and Guts, for for Dynamite's special episode last week. What a special episode it was. Uh, man, um, so let's go ahead and break into that. Let's let's talk about that because we've got some news coming out of AEW uh, today. They announced that they are going back on the road starting in July, July seventh, Miami, Florida. 
July 14th, Cedar Park, Texas, 21st, Garland, Texas. So the the company is hitting the road. They're getting ready to, to take it back and uh, start doing live shows with live fans. It's an exciting time for them. This past week, Blood and Guts, the two-cage double ring main event between the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle. Uh, great matchup. There's a lot of conversation about the end spot, but let's be real. That end spot should not, and by any means, take away from the fact that that match itself, the cage match, was brutal. It was bloody. It was everything that they said it was going to be. Um, and I, myself, was quite satisfied with it. And, and honestly, it, we talked about it the other night. <sighs> yeah, it could have been done differently, sure. But realistically speaking, wouldn't you say that MJF, given Jericho the old heave-ho, was, was still the right move? Uh, so, I would say it was the right move. However, the camera should have never gone over there. They should have just left it. Mm-hmm. Like him going off the cage. Right, And right. then focus on MJF. Right, and him falling out of the train, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Which, I think that's the primary reason that a lot of people complained about it. But, let's, no. let's back up a little bit. Let's, let, we're going to break this down. I think we should really talk about some of the things that led up to the cage match. Um, because some one of the things that really stood out to me was, one, the Young Bucks this past week finally come off as heels in a way that made me really want to see them work. Like, all the way up to this, they've been so wishy-washy, like, in how they've done it. But this time they come out, they're in shorts and flip-flops, and they're, you know, they're taunting. And it was like, damn, this is... This is old Young Bucks material here. And old in a right. way that's like old school. It's good stuff. Um, it's probably the first time I've seen it since what? Their Ring of Honor days? Uh, yes, definitely Ring of Honor. Because uh, that was very much like Ring of Honor, New Japan mm-hmm. uh, shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, I I mean, you know me. I, I, I haven't hit it. I haven't... Uh, you know, said anything. Yes, I've been a Bucks fan for quite a while. And, I, you know, I, I like to jump up on my pulpit about him every once in a while because, you know, Lord knows, you know, he, even Miss Massey likes me, right? Go figure. There, there's a rumor going around that you're going to legally change your last name to Massey. That's all Massey. I might. I might just do it. I might just do it. <laughs> Brian Massey, how can I help you? <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, I'm their new older brother. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of, you know, I, I guess for me, I you almost forget that they were prone to these, like, over-the-top shenanigans, right? Right. But that's what made me, like, I don't want to say fall in love, but you know what I'm saying? That's what made me tune into them. Right. You know, that's what made me you know, get on the soapbox and preach and, you know, that's what, I mean, it's the over the top antics, especially with them two, um, that really, you know, made me start watching the Young Bucks because I can remember them from TNA. Right. You know, and then all of a sudden they're, you know, they reinvent themselves. They're in Japan, they're in ROH and they're just, you know, becoming, some of the most entertaining acts to watch. 
I felt like that the things that we're seeing with these guys, what they're doing right now, is it's entertaining, it's exciting, and it's it's fun. It's actually what it really is. Like you could sense that, not necessarily with their face run, but just overall, because I I don't know that it really matters for the Bucks if they're good or bad. But honestly, just overall, they didn't seem happy. Like they they didn't seem like they were really enjoying being out there. And I think it helps that they have their friends. Like they have the, you know, the the Gallows and Anderson. They've got Kenny Omega. They're all on the same sheet of music. So, God, Matt Riddle's so goofy. Randy does his pose in the corner, and Riddle's dancing around under the sparks. <laughs> anyway, um, but it, you can just tell that the Bucks are having fun. They're they're enjoying the, what they're doing right now. The this past week, uh, today, this afternoon's being the elite. By the way, two of the best promos I've heard coming from the Bucks and SCU. Like seriously, two of the best that I've heard from them in about two years. Nice. I haven't watched it yet, but I plan on doing it once we're done tonight. Uh, definitely worthwhile checking out. It's 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 uh, I always mix them up, Brian. So you're gonna have to forgive me. It's either Matt or Nick Jackson, and and these really he's he's doing like a, a point of view kind of shot where it's, well no I'm sorry not point of view he's just looking dead in the camera. And he's talking to Daniels and Kazari, and he's just running down like the history and everything. Very solid delivery. And then Daniels at the end, so you have to watch all the way through. That's how they get you. He delivers just another solid, same kind of style. And it's just, man, you can't wait to see these two teams because now it's SCU and the Bucks next week. Next week on Dynamite. I don't believe that's this week. It's next week, isn't it? Mm, I think it's next week, too. Or is it uh, at the pay per view? I'm going to look that up right now. Because this, this uh, I'm pretty sure if uh, Daniels and Kazarian lose, they have to split up. Or they're going to split up or something. I think they said if they don't win, they're going to split up. Yeah, that I, that I didn't understand why they did that storyline. I guess it was just kind of the, <laughs> like, uh, like Matt talks about it, just that silly stipulation. But yeah. it, it was kind of motivation for them to kind of get everything moving. I, I guess I understood that, but um. well, yeah. But to, to me, it's it's kind of like, uh, well, how do we split up in such a way that you know we 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 don't go back together, right? I think Daniels is probably nearing the you know he's kind of like Jericho. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of age on him. Not saying he can't still work or nothing, but right. you know maybe he's thinking about you know towards the end. I think Frankie would be phenomenal as a singles wrestler. Um, but again, as long as you have the two of them, you know they're always going to be linked. So how do you sever the link? Well, you you put a stipulation like this, and you know of course they lose now. They could win, but I highly doubt it. I think the Young Bucks right now are, especially in AEW, uh, one of the hotter talents. I mean, they're definitely turning in some of the best work they've done in years. Um, They're just motivated. You can sense that they're on the same page, and perhaps they're healthier, which is a a big part because I know that uh, I want to say it was Matt Jackson that was having a lot of back trouble. Um, And when – that was going on it was very frustrating because you could see 
when they would come out to their matches, you know, like, for example, when they challenged Adam Page and Kenny Omega, you could tell that his back was just not right. Even though he, I mean, he they, it was one of the best tag matches. We still talk about it today. It's one of the best tag matches that, like, ever happened. But, mm-hmm. you know, it still speaks a testament to the toughness of these guys. And the the promos, he, he jokes at the end of the promo. And, and, and the only reason I can tell you this, Brian, is because it's literally the title of being the elite. Because it's the title that says it should have been on Dynamite. Mm-hmm. So, th- this promo itself is just... He ends it. And he just kind of shrugs it off. He's like, "Man, that should go. That should go on dynamite." And just walks away. So it's it's the the way the Bucks troll the crowd is masterful. I mean, we don't like Baron Corbin. We're really not big fans of him. But he's he's something the guy that Matt has mastered, and that's going online and pissing people off. And the Bucks are just doing it at a whole other level. They're just they're in charge right now of their own destiny. I really think they are. They won't lose those titles until they say, you know what? And this is their position aside. We're just, we're not losing them yet. I think that's kind of how it goes. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's out there. Like who will eventually take it from them. But right now they have the hot hand. And if there's one thing to me that AEW kind of does well, it's they don't, just take a title from somebody especially at the height without the next person being on a hot run as well you know what I'm saying like so every title change that's happened has made sense it's made a lot of sense and of course we've had a lot of surprises along the way but you know it's not it's not like uh, the 24-7 title you know, it's not like some of these other ones where, oh, the Miz wins it this week and the next week Bobby Lashley wins it. And then, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And again, no slight to anybody, but they, they're they not, you know, right now they're, they're they're taking careful consideration for these titles right. as for when they pass hands. Folks, again, we're live on C2CRadioShow.com, Twitch twitch.tv slash newattitudemedia and of course Spreaker.com and we're talking about blood and guts from this past week because man oh man it's the talk of the town still we got Monday Night Raw just happening is uh, the New Day and RK Bro are up against the Raw Tag Team Champions of AJ Styles and Amos Omos Omos whatever and Elias and uh, Jackson, Jackson Riker there's so much going on with AEW as we get closer to double or nothing. It's exciting because what AEW is doing well, Brian, is, is you just talked about it in the story buildup when it comes to title matches, but just not being that company that says, you know what, the fans are anxious, so let's do a title change. They're saying, yeah. no, we're going we're gonna to do it, but we're going to do it when we're ready. It's just like when Mox won the title, it was like, dude, Maybe Jericho doesn't lose the title. So you had that air of mystery to it. Mox wins, and everybody's happy. Everybody goes home happy. Um, When Cody lost the title to Brody Lee, obviously Cody was hurt and was going to do a show, but it changed the dynamic. So they're aware. They have their finger on the pulse, and I think that's one thing that Tony Khan really understands. Or he's just getting extremely lucky. So, it could I, I be. Mean, I think it's yeah. I think it's a collection of like a lot of people in the back. Something mm-hmm. tells me like when they do, uh, you know, if they do like a meeting 
right? Like a, uh, a creative meeting, right? Mm-hmm. That it doesn't it doesn't stop with Tony. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, um, take for instance Sheeta, right? And Omega might be like, well, let's you know, let's build Sheeta up as high as we can, and at the same time, let's sneak Baker along the way. Right, right. And just let her start building heat and, and generating heat and let her win matches that, you know, when she wins, she wins convincingly. And then we get Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker, which to me is still one of the best women's matches I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and, and very quietly just elevating all of the women around them. Right. Ty Conti is a great example. Look how big of a star Tanera Conti is right now versus a year and a half ago. Yeah. And again, yeah. I thought they were, I thought they would have pulled the trigger with her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the buildup for Sheeta has been so well done. And I, I know that there's been a lot of commentary about, you know, what is AEW doing for women's wrestling, but. Maybe we just maybe you and I just look at it a little different from some fans because I happen to think that AEW's women's division is probably one of the top in the industry right now. Um, from a talent perspective, yes, yeah, sure, they can have some names. I, I I'm with you, okay, on that. But when it comes down to it, the matches they're doing, Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker, a great example. That no DQ match, that lights out match, it's unheard of. Find me another match like that. You, you, Lita and Trish weren't doing that. No. All due respect to both of them Hall of Famers because they deserve every kudo they get. But Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker was solid. And for Britt Baker to yes. pull, go ahead and just put herself out there and say, you know what, fine, I'm going to get the crap beat out of me, whatever, but this is going to be one of the best matches we've ever done. And damn sure if it was. Right. And again, so, I mean, we have had a good number of, like, all-time top ten Females matches in the last few years, right? Right. right. Uh, Charlotte and Sasha, Charlotte and Becky. Um, you know, Ronda throw Ronda in the mix. Becky, Ronda, and Charlotte. I mean, we've had a number of really good matches, but the the one with Rosa and Britt uh, to me eclipses them all. I mean, because again, it was right. hardcore, and they pulled it off. And I mean, that had to be. I, at least for Brit, Brit's probably first hardcore match ever. I mean, maybe Thunder Rosa's had one or two, but it's not like they do it all the time. Right. And, I mean, they just literally went out there and put a lot of people to shame. So, well, and that's um, the thing. When when you really look at what what we've seen with a lot of the delivery of these things, it's just the it, – it's honestly, it's the overall – tempo that they deliver these things right and 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 the the willingness to say you know what we're just going to do we're going to do what we have to do we're going to do you know we're going to do a matchup that you know people are going to wonder hey is this person really going over but at the end of it they're going to cheer for both and, and they right. figured a way a way to do it yeah and i i honestly can't wait because i think this is in the match this week for uh, Sheeta and Baker is that at the pay per view? Uh, this week is um, 
Yeah, I think that's pay per view. I think that's um, I think that's double or nothing. We're gonna be. Alright. Geico asks, "How would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help." Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. But, I, I mean, I can't wait. That's, like, one of the uh, ones I'm looking forward to. Right. And again, I mean, we everybody can remember back when AEW first started and we were all kind of like, who's Britt Baker? Where did she come from? How did she get on the card? You know, and then well, she has the one injury and you start to see her toughness and her tenacity. And then she comes back and she gets her face exploded. You know, she still was like finishing the match and you're like holy cow she's building up steam what would you say was a better standout performance would would you say Britt baker and thunder rosa or with wardlow in blood and guts i would say to me that nothing's going to compete with that women's match Mm -hmm. because again you're talking like you know two that may have never ever done a hardcore match before and it can't be you know i would imagine a hardcore match is not easy and you know the crowd was up cheering it was a you know it was a standing ovation match and nobody's reported on blood and guts but we you know we all watched it we all enjoyed it uh, you know, Wardlow's probably been in a cage before. Now, yeah, Sammy, I mean, on the other hand, for that cut. Holy oh, yeah. So, there. I mean, with the way that they built up Dynamite, with the way Blood and Guts was built up, first off, we were supposed to see this a, a little over a year ago. And, obviously, pandemic happens. They figure it'd be in poor taste, so they don't do it. But, quietly, we get this feud between you know, the inner circle and the pinnacle of that, frankly, I would have been upset had the inner circle won. Because to me, that would have been the death knell for pinnacle. You've just built them up. You've just given them huge credibility. And yeah, they could have sold it like, oh, you know, we weren't really on our prime or whatever. But frankly, the right team won in having the pinnacle win this matchup. You knew that, Jer- I, I, I will say this. I thought that the finish was going to be Sammy having to actually submit submit not save chris jericho even though well i guess he really didn't save chris jericho but he could have he tried <coughs> all right so but let, let me <coughs> let me let me remind people right cuz i know there was some talk on the on the the chat you know the c2c chat that you know how people would be upset if you know or they thought the pinnacle would immediately like fall should should they lose. Right. right? Well, if you go back and look, right? The horsemen 
we're the co-founders of War Games, right? And I'm not sure how many times they won. Right now, I know it's a little bit different, right? But it's the same kind of. Again, they're they're using this older mentality where the bad guys don't necessarily have to be over dominant and still be remain at the top. At that, you you see what I'm right. saying? Uh, I mean, outside of probably Kenny, I mean, even when even when Jericho had the title for the inner circle, the inner circle would lose, right? And they would still they were still the top faction. And I think it's just you know, I think too many people are are just forgetting how they book, right? Because again, the the bad guys don't win all the time. I mean, you're talking a faction that's five on five, right? So it's kind of hard to get an advantage on a five on five. But now it should be a five on four because Jericho should hopefully be out for a little bit. And we'll see if they don't retaliate and, you know, destroy one more member and then one more member and whittle them down to, you know, nothing. It's one of those things where here's here's what you've done. Effectively with the pinnacle and inner circle, you've created, and, and I honestly didn't expect the inner circle to be a, a face, a good guy's you know, group, even though Jericho is ridiculously popular, and so is Sammy. And, you know, because of that, Hager and uh, Proud and Powerful, you know, they benefited from that. But the thing is, you've got these guys that are just so enigmatic they have such a great rapport with the fans that it's kind of hard to really boo them but the pinnacle on the other hand you know you just really created this group and while some could say that it's too soon for them to come out with this big victory because what did they do i mean essentially if they do nothing else with this feud you could say that the pinnacle won against the inner circle and that's it like they defeated them they're gone even though they're probably not but that's what you could say, and I could see why people would say that it's too soon. To me, it's it's part of it's that, but here's the thing. With MJF, to me, what I don't like to see, and I don't care who's booking it, I don't like to see wishy-washy anything. Make a decision, you know. I understand there's going to be DQs and all that stuff sometimes, but just make a finish. I don't always like seeing Roman Reigns win. I don't always like seeing uh, Rhea Ripley win or whoever, but... If there's a finish, I'd rather see that than anything else. So I didn't want to see MJF come out of this looking weaker because you need to give... Sooner or later, Kenny Omega is going to be out of the spotlight. Now, I don't anticipate that happening anytime really soon, but you have to have someone ready to step into that role. And I think there's plenty of time. There's not a hurry, but MJF is that guy. So part of me personally wants to see him continue to get... Uh, what do they call it? The rocket <laughs> strapped to his back. <laughs> yeah. Um, you talking Kenny? Uh, no, I'm talking about MJF. I mean, I like Kenny, uh, but it, to me, if I had to choose a bad guy champion, I'm like, nah, MJF all the way. Not because yeah, Kenny the, is a is a worse wrestler than MJF. Obviously, he's better, but MJF is that guy that can just you love to hate him. Well, you, 
sure. However, I think I think there's again something bigger afoot, right? So we've talked about it, and I think eventually it'll play itself out. Um, but again, so you you have to if I'm going to take five different companies, right, mm-hmm. and form some type of alliance right a working relationship mm-hmm. and I have MJF and I have Kenny Omega right so I'm not saying that MJF isn't a household name around the world but it's quite possible he's not a household name around the world he could be huge in the U.S., but mm-hmm. maybe he's just slowly starting to break in in Japan or Mexico or wherever. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So the problem is, if you're going to have this alliance, you're going to say, hey, we're, let's all work together for a common cause, then it only makes sense to have Omega at the helm. And, I, you know, again, I don't think this company's going nowhere. I think it's going to give good TV somewhere down the line. Um, But I think what the wrestling world needs right now is the cooperation between all these different feds. And while I'll admit MJF is probably better on the mic, I think you just need that huge international star to pull this off. Well, there's a lot of irons in the fire right now for uh, AEW. With with Kenny Omega as their top guy, you've got a lot of doors that are open. New Japan, Ring of Honor, Impact. Because the name recognition that you're talking about, that household name mentality that Kenny definitely brings, um, is a huge boost for each promotion that they decide to work with. Now, some have, some have said, and, and I guess I can get it, that Impact only benefited but so much. But I don't put that on AEW. I put that on Impact's shoulders. Um, you can only shine up something but so much before finally that person or thing has to go out on its own and continue with that momentum. And one of the challenges that Impact typically has is they have a major moment and the delivery and the follow-up is where they lack. And that's just been a creative challenge for not just Scott Demore, but the folks backstage at Impact because they have these ideas that initially lay out. For example, when we get the surprise debuts of like recently released WWE people or with, like with Kenny Omega comes out there, has just a great matchup with Rich Swan, And even though Kenny Omega is still showing up on Impact, the other parts of the show don't always. They have been pretty good, but they don't always deliver in a way that gives you a solid follow-up. It's up to the company that they partner with, they being AEW. It's up to that company to grow after that partnership starts to fade out. You know, sooner or later, the Impact World Championship is going to come back to someone, and it's going to be up to Impact to continue the growth. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll... I guess I'll give it to you to a point, but I think the problem with impact 
right? And again, so I used to watch it. Then I stopped watching it. And, oh, Kenny's going to be on there. Right. I went back to watching it. Impact is not a bad program, ladies and gentlemen. It's not. No, not at all, no. But the, the problem is what impact, uh, what hurts impact is for too long, it wasn't a good product. And mm-hmm. um, some of us suffered through that period of time and we soured on impact. But again, right now, impact is not a bad program. They have a lot more hits to me than they do misses. Um, the ultimate problem is it's not like out there. And that's mm-hmm. where I think Kenny probably comes into play because at least now wherever Kenny goes, that impact impact title goes. Correct. And hopefully that will help them in the long run. Quick confirmation, Brian. It is this coming Wednesday on Dynamite that the Bucks and SCU go head-to-head for the AEW Tag Team Championships. So that should be a great matchup. I am looking forward to that. Um, Before we really break into the cage match, because I do want to make sure we give that its due, hey, let's talk about something that uh, leads us down the road of who Kenny Omega's next, next challenger will be. This week on Dynamite, we get a matchup between Pac and Orange Cassidy. The winner gets the title shot at double or nothing. And it's funny because you mentioned earlier the C2C chat, and we have a diverse group of fans in our chat. We are very fortunate because we have a lot of people that are willing to share their opinions, and we don't always agree with them, but we do love to read them out. And there's a lot of conversation that Orange Cassidy should not be that guy to get a shot at Kenny Omega. And I found this interesting because... Orange Cassidy has just really become one of, if not the most popular figures, characters in AEW in in a short span of a year. So why wouldn't you want that head-to-head contest? Why wouldn't you want to see that? Because, yes, Pac and Omega will be a great wrestling match. But would it draw the attention that Orange Cassidy and Kenny Omega would? Uh, I mean, let's not forget that at one time you had this young up-and-comer named Sting. Ooh. And, hey, I know that guy. Yeah, on, I'm pretty sure, what, Clash of the Champions won? Mm-hmm. He finally went head-to-head with the champ in the Ric Flair. And was it an hour? Was it an hour? I don't remember if it was an hour. Anyway. Time time limit draw. Okay, so anyway, that match puts Sting on the map, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. to the point that he then becomes so over. Flair then develops a new working partner and goes on to make a lot of money with Sting. And that is good for business. And that, I think, is what is good for AEW. Because if they can, I mean, you know, again, Orange Cassidy is 
growing. He's moving. He's very over. People love him, you know. But now it's Kenny Omega versus him. Mm-hmm. Let's say they go out there and put on a true work of art, right? They go out there and put on a, you know, a five-star match or a seven and a half or whatever, whatever Meltzer gets up to nowadays, right? <laughs> I think it's now up to 25, but okay. it's only for both well, matches. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but I can understand that, right? Because there's two of them, so you get double the points. Uh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, but anyway, let's say they go out there, they, they put on another five-star match. Don't you think it would then benefit Orange, AEW, and more importantly, Kenny Omega mm-hmm. to have this match and to know that not only can Pac run with him, Orange Cassidy can run with him, and his home territory is just littered with people that can go out there and produce five-star matches. I mean, we've already seen Pac and Omega multiple times. Mm-hmm. And every time, they're stellar matches. Right. Why not give him the opportunity to develop another rising star? And that's the key. Like, that is the key. I'm so glad you said it that way because that is really what my focal point would be. Yeah, absolutely. Pac or Pac and and Omega would be tremendous. There's no doubt. But when you look at the long-term vision here, you have to start thinking outside of just here's your main players. Cuz it just that formula is is very outdated. You have to be willing to say, "Okay, well, yes, that match will be awesome." And anytime we do it, it will be awesome. But here's this guy that is ridiculously popular. And if we don't continue to capitalize on it, it I think they've done a great job with it. I mean, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss that boat. And while I don't see him as like, I'm going to go to WWE if you don't give me a title shot, I definitely see him as starting to recognize his worth. And I don't blame him. Because you talk about a guy who's made his name – <laughs> off of putting his hands in his pockets. I, I don't care what anybody says. I mean, he's made his name off of being this character. There are kids that dress up like him for Halloween. To Brian's description, as far as Sting's concerned, much like how kids were doing when Sting first showed up. Yes. This guy was kind of out of nowhere. He started off in Texas in the UWF in World Class, teaming with Eddie Gilbert, and all of a sudden you see the little Stingers. What do we see in the crowd when we have an audience for AEW? Kids dressed up like Orange Cassidy. So much, in fact, that, and I, and I didn't even tell you guys this. I meant to tell you this the other day. Bringing my son home from golf practice the other day. And you know what he told me he was try- he was looking like? With his sunglasses what? on and his white t-shirt and blue jeans? What? Orange Cassidy. <laughs> he said, that's really cool. I said, can you give me the thumbs up? And sure as hell, he gives me the little half thumbs up. Yeah, I, I mean, such a proud dad, such a proud moment. <laughs> if, if, if this is done correctly, mm-hmm. this is a moment that is going to set the foundation for five years down the road. 
it's yeah. it, it parallels Sting's career. It really does. I mean, let's not forget that at the time Sting was this new fresh face, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, the Crockett's or Turner, whoever just bought uh, UWF or whatever it was, right? He didn't fit in with the rest at that time. He was painted face. He was bleach blonde. He was energetic. He was all over the place in the ring. He moved at a different pace than everybody else. And eventually he gets a program with the champ. And it's such a program that the champ realizes, I'm I'm almost 100% positive that Ric Flair's going on records. In the records, but records saying, Mm -hmm. I knew I could make money. I made sure I was booked against him. And we made money. And again, it's the, it's the exact same. It's history repeating itself. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, this is an opportunity for new fans to grow with this company. That's the kind of thing you do when you have somebody. The, the uniqueness that Orange Cassidy brings to the table as a number one contender, and I'm, I'm quite sure future champion, is so unique, in fact, that you can market him in so many ways by not changing a single thing with his character. And, you know, Cornette can say what he wants, and so can some of the old school fans where they just don't get it. But if you are ignoring the marketability of this guy, you're missing the boat in a big, big way. And right. uh, that's that's going to cost money to people that, that don't want to take a, take the shot on that. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, so... I mean, like, I'm not the hugest Orange Cassidy guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of the pocket gimmick. I, I will have to say I do kind of chuckle when he does it, though. But, again, Orange Cassidy moves at a different pace. Mm-hmm. He is faster, more agile, knows what he's doing in the ring, and he, he, again, he just reminds me of, of you know, Sting showing up. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he's different. He's, God, I almost said refreshing. <laughs> ah, freshly squeezed. Freshly squeezed, yeah. But, uh, I mean, again, he needs a moment to shine. Mm-hmm. Let him shine, that, people. That That's the only way you're going to get new stars, guys and gals. I mean, if you truly want to see new stars which you've been begging for for apparently 10 years, right? We want new stars. But if you don't give anybody a chance to be that new star, how in the hell do you know what you have? You can't just let them sit on the bench. You can't do that. It's not fair to not just the the fan, but it's not fair to the performer to not give them a chance. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with you, Brian. I completely agree. I think Orange Cassidy is that kind of a performer. If you give him this moment, you could. And, hey, he could he could crap the bed. I doubt it, but he could, and this match could be the worst. But if that's it, at least you know you tried it. It failed. Okay, fine. You keep it moving. Right. And, so, and again, I, he, he's one of these guys that comes along once a decade. Yep. That keeps the business moving forward. 
And if the AEW doesn't have a glass ceiling or isn't afraid of making superstars, by the time he's done, he'll be a megastar. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like, I, I while I can understand what some concerns are, like I was on the boat that said that the, the Young Bucks were, were a little too much when it came to some of the flippy stuff. But now once you see what they're doing in a complete picture, and that's really what you have to do. You have to have the complete picture. Once you see it, you can't you can't help but say, wow, these guys are doing something different. Look at Orange Cassidy. You see the pockets initially, like, ah, here's this guy. He's kind of being lazy. I don't get it, right? And I can understand that. I, I myself got it right away, but I can understand why people had their hesitations. But then you see how he interacts with the crowd. Then you see how he interacts with, you know, other wrestlers. And you see how many people value him. Because if they didn't have value in him, this wouldn't be happening. Right. Now, granted, this could all be for nothing after this past after this coming Wednesday if Pac wins. But I'm pretty sure we're going to see Orange Cassidy at double or nothing. Oh, I agree. I, I, I think uh, I think it'll happen. You know, I think Orange will win Wednesday and they will have the first true, like, uh, mega main event of the year. Mm-hmm. In Orange Cassidy versus Kenny Omega. Because this is the kind of thing that could very quietly become the rivalry. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jericho and Orange Cassidy, nobody expected that to be what it was. But it took off. It took off pretty well. And Jericho, yet again, was right about somebody. Who knew? <laughs> so, um, you know, now I want to get us to the tag, uh, not the tag match, but the, the, the cage match. I want to talk about this cage match because there's some stuff in here that happened that, uh, honestly, some of it kind of bugged me, but only because it seemed kind of dangerous, like, overall. And then others of it just blew me away at how quick and hard-hitting these guys were. First off, I love the fact that they stuck to their guns and stuck to the War Games format. I'm so glad that they didn't just deviate because WWE's got War Games, the title. You know, I don't care. Give me what you said you're going to give me. That's exactly what they did. It was a fight. It was a street fight mentality. The cage uh, had a roof that was solid. Nobody was falling through it, thank God. Um, you know that, that always scares me. Somebody starts like stepping on the top of the cage like at a hell in a cell, and it starts to buckle. I'm like, oh, that's gonna, someone's going to die. Um, yeah, but again, though, remember, though, the first one where you're talking about somebody falling through a roof, they weren't yeah. supposed to get up there. Right, right. It was like, zip tied. It was don't zip climb tied the together. cage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so don't do it. <laughs> first off, FTR bleeding so quickly. Um, I'll be honest. I I didn't expect that at all. Like I really wasn't expecting to see blood in the first five minutes. I was fine with it, but damn, <laughs> there was a lot of blood in this matchup. Oh, I mean the whole. I was was there anybody that didn't bleed? By the end of the night, everybody was bleeding. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure too. And and to that point, I saw Jericho do it. I saw MJF do it. I'm going to say I didn't see anybody else do this, but I know it was noticed on television. The blading that was done seemed dangerous to me. And I I say it this way because. Jericho, you kind of see him. And this is all about production, guys. This isn't talent's fault. 
This is production catching it on camera. Jericho is on the top of the cell. Excuse me, the top of the cage. Um, you know, MJF is basically stalking his way to him. And you see as he's laying and he's selling, he's reaching into his, he's reaching into his wristband and, um, you know, pulling something out. Obviously, you very noticeably see him pulling something out of his wristband. Mm-hmm. And when he's coming out of that, you know what's going to happen. I mean, even the young fans got to be like, uh, well, looks looks to me like uh, <laughs> like something's going on here. You know, something's happening. And then, of course, the diamond ring, bam, hits Jericho in the head, and then Jericho's bloodied up. That seemed dangerous because as soon as that happens, you see, you know, did you notice Brian that he that Jericho just drops it? <laughs> no, hit. no, he I didn't notice it. He that. opens his hands up, and I'm like. <gasps> Oh, that's going to land in the ring. Oh, someone's going to land on that. <laughs> like, that scared the hell out of me. Because, like, that's – and I don't think that's on purpose, obviously, but that's just bad. That's <laughs> like, don't do that, dude. Um, well, yeah, but, I mean, it may – you know, who knows? Maybe maybe the ring connects a little too hard. And he, yeah. You know, I mean, who knows? I, you know, who knows? if he meant to do it or not. but I mean, it's one of those reaction shots, you know, like you're selling, you right. move your hands back, oh, and then you look, oh. <laughs> it's like, uh, damn. You know, and I'm sure there's communication. I don't know how loud it could have been because they did have crowd there, but um, uh, Eddie Lane was actually there, by the way, Brian. Fast Eddie yeah, Lane I saw was, that. was, was I saw actually that. live there. Um, the... The destruction of the ring, like the pulling of it out there so they could expose the wood, I guess I got it, but I kind of didn't think it needed to happen. Is that, is that too nitpicky, you think? That's too nitpicky. Yeah. So I the question know that I would have gone that direction. Yeah, but the question is, what's the name of the match? Blood and Guts. Okay. So, does it make sense to try and incapacitate your opponent by pulling away the padding, while not thick at all, but mm. there is padding. Does it make sense to pull it away and drive him right on a two by four? Yeah, or whatever yeah. I mean, they in use. that type of mindset. Yeah, that's true. So if you really want, again, if you really want to hurt somebody, why not? Why not just fold it back and be like, okay, you're. I'm going to drop you right through this board. <laughs> or try anyway. And, and they did try. <laughs> Multiple times to drive people through the wood, which, uh, like, I, I think for me that was what it was. It was just so gratuitous after a while. You're like, okay, they're going back through the wood. Okay, they're going back to the wood. All right, hey, they're, they're still going back to the wood. Uh, there, there were some cool moments, though. The spike pile driver, for example, um, that Sammy hit. Sammy should get MVP, by the way, for this matchup. Because he was everywhere. And he took a hell of a beating. Uh, his Instagram shows it because the picture he posted where he's got bandages and cuts and scars uh, everywhere was kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think I haven't seen anybody else. But I think Sammy probably got the worst of it. By far, I think, of, uh, of the pictures I have seen. He showed a lot of guts. And, and I don't mean – no pun intended. A lot of guts going in there, and I wonder if sometimes the jokes that were made about Sammy Guevara and how tough he was 
was done because of some kind of thing backstage. But quite frankly, as a performer, if you don't respect Sammy Guevara right now, um, I don't know what to tell you because this guy just delivered in a major, major main event type style. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I, I, I think we've, the three of us have been pretty high on Sammy for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it, again, it's good to see the future of AEW today. So, you know, again, Sammy's another one that in three, four, five years, you can strap the company to his back and say, hey, go do your thing, kid. Mm-hmm. Um, now you know that he's tougher than he looks. You know you can do a lot more variety type matches with him, and you're you're probably right though. That's probably his shining moment so far. I mean, his matchup with Matt Hardy, his matches with Matt were awesome, but. This was a standout performance that I think really gives him um, just so much more credibility overall. Not that he wasn't credible before. I'm just trying to make sure we're giving him this proper due. Uh, one thing I'd notice here uh, from Monday Night Raw, Brian, is uh, Sheamus and Humberto Carrillo fought for the U.S. title, um, fought to a double countout, no contest type situation, and Sheamus, of course, retains. And the reason that it ended the way it did was there was a sunset flip, sunset bomb, from the apron to the floor, and Carrillo appears to have injured his shoulder. Uh, referee immediately throws the X up, and uh, doctors rushing out to uh, Carrillo. Of course, uh, that they've since since switched to commercial. But uh, for those that are listening live to us, um, looks like Humberto Carrillo may not be uh, wrestling this weekend at uh, WrestleMania Backlash. That sucks. That yeah, really does. That's a bummer because, you know, this is a big moment for him. Um, mm-hmm. Even if he doesn't win the title, if he wasn't going to win the title this coming weekend, just a huge moment that he really needed. And, uh, you know, now it's going to be, okay, back to the drawing board, and you get to build somebody else up. You can't keep going to Matt Riddle, <laughs> in my opinion, you know, every time somebody gets hurt. So you're going to have to find somebody else. And, and, and not to discredit Sheamus because I think he's in the best shape of his career. Um but, yeah, it's, it's time to maybe find somebody else that can, that can shine up. Uh, back towards uh, Blood and Guts in the, in the, the cage match. Um, one thing that I noticed that was really huge was the standoff between Jake Hager and Wardlow was huge. Like, I liked that they built and built and built to that. And then, finally, Wardlow is just a monster. And I loved that they protected that. Especially in a cage match, because you really don't have to. It's understandable if everybody was using chairs, you know what I mean? But they really right. protected his monster kind of persona. Well, yeah. I mean, look at that one time uh, where he was, like, outnumbered. Like, yeah, all the rest right, of the right. pinnacle was down. And he, and he literally people. was just <laughs> fighting, you know. One on five, and he's you know picking yeah. people up over his shoulders, and um, yeah, I mean they definitely they definitely kept that the monster mm-hmm. thing going. Although I think he'll be the first one to leave the pinnacle. He'll be the Batista like star that comes out of that group. 
Yeah, but I think he'll be more like the uh, uh, Lex Luger kick out. Oh, okay. Like he'll develop yeah, yeah. like a you know I'm bigger than the group type attitude. Right, right. And they'll be forced <laughs> to kick him out. That would crack me up if he starts calling himself the star of blood and guts or some crazy stuff. <laughs> well, no, I don't. I don't think it'll happen anytime soon. I mean, I think it'll play out for a while, but. I mean, think about it. he's been with MJF. MJF has not always treated him right. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you put him in a few more matches like Blood and Guts where he, you give him a chance to shine, and then eventually, you know, you could, you could give him, you know, he could develop that attitude like, you know, Lex Luger. Like, mm-hmm. I'm bigger than the group. And eventually it's like, oh, I got a match with MJF. And MJF is like, uh, you need to lose that, buddy. And he's like, sure. <laughs> sure, I will. You know? I, You know what? It's interesting that you mentioned kind of the Lex Luger personality. I, I never thought about that. That's a unique take. And that would be different. That would really help them stand out with it instead of going the – because you really could. You could follow suit with kind of like Batista and Triple H between the two, him and MJF. But mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of it being more of a Luger type of situation because that kind of flips the script. Yeah. I, I mean, again, so, I mean, it's set up just right. There's five of them. Mm-hmm. Luger was an associate. What's Wardlow to MJF? Uh, his associate. Yeah, I think he actually goes by the associate. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize again, that. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And again, Wardlow, Wardlow is the type that, you know, you don't want to pin him down forever. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where he he could thrive very much on his own. He's big enough. He's bad enough. He can wrestle. And, he can uh, you talk. know, the easy, yeah. And the easiest way is to let him sooner or later develop an attitude and, you know, somewhere down the line, have him and MJF be put in a situation, and he's like, okay, no problem, you know. <laughs> and then next thing you know, he, he comes out for the match with MJF, and, you know, you need to you need to go down so I can count three. And he's like, I'm not doing that, bud. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he gets booted out. If you're listening to us live, we're live from C2CRadioShow.com, Spreaker.com, and Twitch.tv slash New Attitude Media. We are talking about blood and guts, talking about the cage match, getting ready to kind of move into the news of the week as well. But before we do that, Brian, real quick, who was your MVP for the cage match for blood and guts? Mm, i tell you who was. Who was it? I'm just kidding. The cameraman, the production manager <laughs> yeah. in the back, in the truck. Um, I'd say MJF. I think it only builds him up that much more mm-hmm. um, to have him standing on the cage at the very end. I felt like MJF was was just really shining in this matchup, and that's unlikely for a character like his, but for him to do what he does and – you know, if he was on the air with us, he would be just berating us for calling him a character. But anyway, um, I felt like what he did, the way he did it, and if you notice at the end, he kept his word. He told us that when it was all said and done, that he would say thank you 
to Chris Jericho. And sure enough, after throwing him off the top of the cage, he did tell him thank you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just one of those... I don't think it really... Like, puts him in a different stratosphere. Mm-hmm. But I think it just gives you another reason to hate him. By him you, throwing Jericho off the cage. You have to have that guy that will do anything. Anything. Mm. Anything to stay on top. And that's what um, MJF did. As now, far as... Go ahead. Can I just take a moment? Right? So... I think there were some flaws in the match. And, again, Mr. Production Guy... Next time, just catch him falling off the cage. <laughs> we don't need to see, you know, that fiasco at the end. Yeah. the I was going to say the the least valuable player for, for the cage match was going to be my next question. I, I'm confident in saying that we could both agree that it's – that it had to have been the production work at the very end. You cannot, cannot have a major moment like that, and you cannot afford to shoot it in the way that they did. Um, and, and this is one of those things where we've been, and I think rightfully so, very giving to AEW and their production team. It's a, still a very young product. But that's the kind of moment that, like when Mick Foley fell off the cage, how many angles did you have of that shot? You had like four or five. You know what they show? Uh-huh. Two. They show two. Because it's the two most dramatic ones. The one from the top and the one that shows the side view where you see him falling down. And then, of course, sooner or later you see that one where he's crashing through the table, you know, like you're 3D. What you don't see uh-huh. is a crash pad on the table. Heads up, there yeah. wasn't one. <laughs> right, but, on that one, yes. Yeah. But you don't see the the crash pad that is like we talked about it WrestleMania thirty five that big old crash pad that was underneath uh, Shane and Miz. That's but the kind you, of thing you don't want to shoot. They did right, shoot it, but, but that's the kind of thing that you don't want to shoot. And and see that's that's almost one of my issues with this, mm-hmm. right? Is you give the competition. Right, and the bobbleheads, a moment to point a finger at your business and say, "Oh, look what you did!" Mm-hmm. Right, because the problem here is, is the machine and the bobbleheads are so up each other's butts, they forget that two years ago, was it two years ago? I believe it was two years ago. They were being discussed in the same light for doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And identify that. I mean, there's there's crash pad that you see, the obvious sheet that you know extends right. out as soon as they hit. Um, right. You kind of described it. Describe how you how they landed because you did this really well the other night. And I wanted to wanted our listeners to catch this. Yeah. So basically, what happens is. Shane and Miz, and I hope somebody from from uh, Stanford's listening, right? I'm sure the North, are. whatever you want to call it. I, I hope you are, right? 
So they fall off of the sound stage, and they land on this big mat that is like probably eight, nine feet in the air. Because mm-hmm. there's a crowd behind them, and there are people that all you can see is the top of their heads, right? It's so high. So they didn't fall, but maybe three, four feet, I mean, you know, no matter what it looks like. And then they show the top-down view, right? And, like, the Miz is laying there, and you don't see his head because his head is laid back in the hole, but the rest of his body is on top of the, the, the mat there. It's the same thing with Shane. He's laying in such a way that half of his body is still on the crash pad. Mm-hmm. And it's not like it, it, you know, deflates or anything. I mean, this thing is six feet in the air. And I, it, it just, for me, if I was Tony Khan, I've already spanked your third rate show. I'm starting to pick up momentum to where if I had to move to a different night, I could probably compete against Raw. But yet here's an, a situation where, unlike uh, the fireworks thing, because when they covered the fireworks thing, it all made sense, right? Well, right. you know, you know, we're just not going to give you fireworks. <laughs> I'm Kenny Omega. I can do that, you know. <laughs> Well, this one, how do you cover it up? There's nothing you can cover up. I mean, you really geez, you got No, you got a 30-year veteran in Chris Jericho that is so happy about himself that he literally is caught with eyeballs open, <laughs> smiling. Yeah. And then once he sees the camera, he oh, he goes limp again. Or that that's stupid and and Randy Orton does this all the time too, that one eye open thing that he does. Yes. He's like, yes. ah, do they see me? Ah, yeah, ah. do they see me? Yeah. And the camera's always looking. Yeah, right? exactly. But again, what it does is it allows, like, Shayna Baszler, who has been in this business of dropping the bucket, right? It gives her an opportunity to say something. Uh, who was the other one? Shotzi. Uh, yeah. Yeah, falling on the bed, right? I mean, you you're giving people – who have not been in this business nowhere near as long as Chris Jericho, an opportunity to take a shot at you. They should have had enough sense to be like, just show me getting thrown off the cage. Yeah, I mean, this be is done not, with it. It, it doesn't have to be some, you know, Oscar award-winning thing. All right. you got to do is shoot a tight shot, show him fall, don't show the landing. See, they right. did this really well at last year's WrestleMania when when the Usos fell off the ladder. Did you see him land? Nope. You know why? Because they hit a crash pad. <laughs> right. They didn't have to show it. And that's okay. Look, this is TV. Yeah. We all know. It, it, nobody is dumb enough anymore to think that there's not some degree of protection being taken. But the right. thing that drives me nuts is, like, the, the response, we weren't really going to show him going through the metal. Pardon the French, but no shit. We know that. But you're well, not doing here, yourself any favors at the yeah. same time by shooting it in that fashion. And here's the other interesting part about that stage, right? That rampway could probably have been taken off mm-hmm. 
the crash pad put in its place, because once again, you're looking at like a five or six foot tall crash pad right. from, from one of the angles they show. I mean, this thing is massive. You could have put it in its place. Nobody is none the wiser and told them when you come out of the, the, the uh, entrance, mm-hmm. walk down the side steps because we have them. Right. Don't right. go nowhere near this. Yeah, so yeah. that when he when he did fall off, you still could have had the crash pad, but you would have had an incredible moment where everybody would have crapped their pants because they mm-hmm. thought MJF threw Jericho off for real. The, and here's what actually, and this is something that I would completely feel comfortable saying to Jim Ross to himself. I, I felt like his reaction to it was didn't do the situation justice. Like you can hear him and, and maybe he's just calling it as he sees it. And, and I guess I could respect that, but you can hear the, the laughter in his voice as he's talking about what has just unfolded on television. Meanwhile, Excalibur and Tony Schiavone are selling it like death, you know, uh-huh. which, Hey, I get it. That's a tough situation. I don't know that I would have been able to not chuckle myself. And Brian, if you and I were sitting at the table and we had the monitor there, we see that shot. Do we go at it from that same perspective or do we sell it? I would like to think that we would sell it. Sure. Not a guarantee. However, we don't because, you know, maybe we do laugh because you see it. You're like, ah, there's Jericho being Jericho. You know, I mean, you're human. You make mistakes. But sooner or later, somebody's going to say, "Okay, look, we got to change a couple things up because this isn't the only production thing that's happened with AEW. Someone just has to tell them, look, let's change this up a tad. Let's just do this or that. And and the guys that he has working in production, when I say he, I'm talking about Tony Khan. These are seasoned veterans of the industry. So obviously, this is a quick shot. We're getting ready for it. We're, we're, we're he's teasing it. You know, Sammy's like, "Don't do it! Don't do it!" And it happens, and it could have been shot completely differently. Um, but we get what we get, and in that moment that we get it, you know, that's where people start, like Brian said, making comments that maybe they don't need to make. I mean, are those two people the people that should really be talking about it? Probably not. Mm. But and even even not. even Stephanie McMahon, right? Mm-hmm. Apparently, was like, "Oh, he's just trying to copy Shane." Well, no, because Shane is copying other people, and Shane does right. the exact same thing. Or we've yeah, all if you're seen Shane wrestling, fall. You're stealing twice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've all seen Shane fall, and the mm-hmm. the mat gets deflated as he hits it, right? So we've all seen it. Yeah. But again, it you give the competition something to talk about. Because again, so the WWE is like, oh, that was barbaric, right? Mm-hmm. We would never do that. Well, for the average person, when they hear that comment and they want to, you have now, like, in a sense, the WWE is now given free publicity to how barbaric this match is. So Which if you're, will make somebody uh, want to see it again. Right. Who has never saw it, did, did see the first time, they would then go to see it. But then you find out, oh, everything else, and you're, you know, kind mm-hmm. of defeats your purpose. Or the better thing to have done, and maybe you should put this in your little wheel basket there, Tony Khan, is the next time you throw somebody off the cage, just have the TV go dark. 
Oh, so the last thing great. you see is MJF hurling Jericho off the cage. Mm-hmm. The announcers are going bloody ape, and the TV goes black because you put the warning up. Mm-hmm. Right, all through the night we kept getting the warning for mature audiences only, and then cut it, fade it to black, cut it off, that, throw the credits up. That would have been tremendous. That would have been like, what the hell just happened? Yes. <laughs> that would have been huge. Um, and you wouldn't know. The crowd would The crowd, it wouldn't have never, you know, it might have gotten out, but mm-hmm. nobody would have ever seen it, right? You could have put Jericho on the shelf, had him do an interview from home, talking about how bad MJF is that he threw you off this cage and you're busted up because you hit the concrete. You have no footage of it. Right? There's no there's no footage out there. So all you have is Jericho's word. Mm-hmm. Right? How cool is that, Tony? Think about it next time. Hey, that's that's one of those free pieces of advice is all you have to do is use it. Yes. <laughs> you don't have to use our names. Just use it, dude. Just use it. Yeah, stop trying to run when you should be crawling and learning to walk right now. Agreed. Agreed. And also, at the same time, don't, you don't have to defend yourself to every fan that critiques you. Just do it, go away from it, whatever you got to do, come back when you do it the different way. Don't, right. we're not going to just show, we're not going to explode Kenny Omega. We know. You don't have to tell us. Right. You don't have to tell right. us, man. We get it. <laughs> right. Uh, we'll close out the narrative on this matchup with this. Uh, PWInsider.com, Dave Schur gets uh, some reactions from the WWE saying that it set the business back. Brian, are you ready for this? Set the business back 30 years. 30 years. Sure it did. Uh, okay, sure. If you go back and think, go back and think what was around 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So 30 years ago would have put us right at, uh, is that the Attitude Era? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, no, it's a little bit before, but there was a fledgling company that had, they had big money backers, Mm -hmm. not only would still be in business, but quite possibly could be running the landscape in ECW. That, that little engine that could. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I happen to agree with you there. Um, so, yeah, setting it back, man, maybe it did. Maybe it did. And, and we talked about it. The blading was a bit much. But here's the thing. It's a cage match. Yes. Um, every cage match that I've ever watched, if it didn't have some degree of carnage and brutality to it, to me, it just wasn't a cage match. And WWE Correct. has been infamous for this for 15, 20 years now. Um, mm, ever since they went to PG now. where their cages just couldn't get it done. And, and look, I don't need blood and guts all the time. But also, I don't need a cage match that results in a, uh, a you know, a red light for the entire matchup. And then the match ends in disqualification because somebody used a, a hammer. Right. <laughs> make any goddamn sense and, yeah. and and it doesn't need to bury a character either. That, that's kind of my thought on it. So I do I again I'm in the same boat. I don't need to see a cage match every week. Mm-hmm. However, on the other hand though, I am a little old school and like if you're gonna put a stipulation on a match, I want my money's worth. Right. So if you if you have a strap match the whole purpose of the strap is to beat the piss out of your opponent. With the strap. So, yes, with the strap. 
So I better see the strap used. Mm-hmm. Because if mm-hmm. not, then you're just tied together by string. Which is part of my problem with the WWE. They have a lot of matches that have stipulations, and they're never used. Yeah, it's like the, uh, the what what is it, the... The triple threat or the fatal four. The, one of the matches that's supposed to be no DQ and everything where they start breaking the hold on the on the rope. Like you don't yes. have to do that. Just let it go, man. Right. Yeah, just don't use stipulation. Just, or just yeah. use the base stipulation. Or but hey, it, to me, change it up. Just don't call it no DQ and then ask them to break on the rope. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. But to do me, your own rules. That's fine. This is blood and guts. AEW right. has, has not ever shied away from competitors bleeding Mm -hmm. it's wrestling if you're going to introduce a little bit of realism crap like that's got to happen right and i don't think it was gratuitous i don't i mean this was supposed to be the end of a feud this you know in the 80s this would have been a blood feud and this is how it's supposed to end Mm -hmm. and I didn't mind the blood, but I normally don't ever. So we transition from what I think AEW really delivered in a great way um, for blood and guts to kind of a a conversation that we, we were having off and on past few weeks about the, the state of women's wrestling in, in WWE. And Brian, you made a comment this past weekend, and I wanted to make sure we brought this up because I'm talking about the releases that recently happened in Garbage Gate, the, the garbage bags that were sent to Mickey James and to Chelsea Green and to uh, some of the other release talent, Billy Kay and um, Peyton Royce, where they basically get their gear stuffed in a bag, sent to them, and it's it's all for naught because what do we find out this past Monday and, of course, tonight they, they continue to push it. But, Brian, guess what? Eva Marie's coming back. Ooh. There's budget cuts. We just released yes. 12, 13 people. Right. We're going to bring back Eva Marie. <laughs> and and uh, the not just let's let us just not bring her back, but let's use the exact same gimmick we were going to use for Emma. Well, and live to Neil Dashwood. Well, yeah, realistically but I, speaking, we've seen the evolution three times. I don't really. To me, the live didn't kind of take off. Like the the the, the, the promo, you could have swapped um, Big Red <laughs> for Emma. Big Red. <laughs> yeah, you could have swapped the two of them, mm-hmm. and it'd be the exact same promo. And the names are so similar. Are you kidding me? Do you think we've forgotten? Uh, well, you can't come up with have a... short attention spans and <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're ripping yourself off. Mm-hmm. Are you that desperate? I mean, why not? Why not get another Diesel in here? <laughs> we'll call him Rick Nash. <laughs> better yet, better yet, let's get a new Rock in here, a new Rock in Austin. Oh my God, no! <coughs> yep, let's just do it. Don't put it past him, and don't ever put that in the ether again. 
Jesus. I would die if next Monday there was like a fake Austin. <laughs> Talk about your Psalms. Talk about with them. No, don't do it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, really, really, really. It, it, so is the is the backstage the people that that come up with this stuff, the people that decide to just throw crap in trash bags. I mean, is, is this the, the type of people that you employ in your company? Mm-hmm. And then you fire the guy only to have another box of trash show up. Well, not trash, but trash bag mm-hmm. show up like a week after you fired this guy. Well, and that, that's the craziest part. So, you know, Mark Carano is apparently the guy responsible. Everybody on Twitter. And, and when I say everybody, I'm talking about talent. We're talking about people still working for the company. Hey, if you're looking for titles, check under his bed. That, that, that's a huge glaring issue. Um, but apparently that's this guy's M.O. He would just tell people to stuff their stuff in a trash bag. And it's it's not just an M.O. This is like what they expected, not just for a short period of time, like for decades this guy was doing this. What a horrible way to treat your release talent. What a horrible way to do business. Yeah, I'm just glad that social media, somebody finally came forward mm-hmm. and was like, uh, thanks. Thanks for this. Yeah, yeah. And leave it to Mickey James. I mean, and here's a, you said it, Hall of Famer, uh, mm-hmm. true professional, and frankly, somebody that definitely deserved a nice send-off, much less a huge send-off. Instead, we get, hey, they sent me my stuff in a trash bag. And she kind of blows it off at first, but then she starts to think about it. She's like, eh, I'm not really okay with this. And then, of course, her husband, right. Dioutis, the current NWA World Heavyweight Champion, um, and other of her friends are like, no, this is not okay. Then Chelsea Green comes forward, and she's like, yeah, they sent me my stuff, but it also had Natalia's stuff. Yeah, Matt Cardona goes I, through the roof on this, by the way, losing his I don't. I don't think it had any of her shit in there. It was like four or five other talents. So if I'm Natty it was Nitro, Natty and way. a bunch of them. Oh yeah, I'd be scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, Vince, uh, you know, I still work here. Right? <laughs> now, to, to Triple H, Stephanie, and Vince's credit, um, they identified the issue as soon as they could. They did their best to not necessarily get in front of it, but to just own it and say, "Hey, you know, this is not okay." We fired the people responsible. And that was the right thing to do, by the way. Um, but it still happened. And what it's more indicative of is not just what has happened behind the scenes. Because, yeah, it sucks. You hate to see anybody get fired. But a lot of these people, outside of maybe like Tucker and Mojo, um, they all have a pretty good plan, is my guess. With what's happened here, though, is it's more indicative of how the women's division seems to be just going downhill. In WWE, and you said it Saturday night, and I wanted to bring it to light tonight. We've got a few shining moments in talent with Raw and SmackDown. You got Bianca Belair, you got Rhea Ripley, you got Asuka, but then you've got folks that just like Eva Marie. Really, we look. Maybe she's improved. Who knows? I'll give her that opportunity to say, "Yeah, okay, she got better." But let's be real. How much better could she have gotten? Because we've already got, like, Carmella. We've already got, like, Dana Brooke, who... You know, you've already got these people that are already kind of limited. 
and uh, I don't get it. I'm not buying in. And and Brian, you kind of described it to where the women's division is going back to the the divas. And I, I was curious what what formulated that to you because you said that to me and it really popped out on uh, on Saturday when you said it. Where did that come from exactly? Uh, who is supposedly uh, running the divas now? I don't know. Uh, wasn't it? Um, oh crap! What's his name? Annals brother, Johnny. Oh, John Laurinaitis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Well, he's talent relations now. Yeah. And then uh, who was the other one? I heard Bruce Pritchard would be the other one. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know. Again, I think he's gone on record before as talking bad about the women's division, and now he's in charge. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the guy in uh, Laurinaitis that did absolutely nothing for your women's division for all the time he was in a position and could have changed it. So you got two guys that are probably very old school, and this is what you're going to get. Uh, I mean, you got rid of Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, uh, was it Chelsea Green, um, Mickey James, I'm not missing some money, that's four. Oh, and the other women. women. Let go? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, no, that's four. So, Charlotte is underutilized, Becky is... Uh, out on maternity, I guess. Bailey, I I don't know what in the world you're doing with her. Uh, what is she like, the Martha Stewart of the WWE now or something? Uh, I would liken it to more like a Sally Jesse Raphael, but uh, for our younger audience, basically like uh, a talk show host, like Ellen, only less entertaining. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen what Sasha's been doing since she won or lost the title. Um. But throwing, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, <laughs> Eva Marie. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not helping you. Not. That's going backwards. And again, you're using a gimmick that would have thrived under the Divas. Well, and the, and the other part of that is with when they were going to do it with Emma, if they had finished that with Emma, that could have been good. Because Emma was the type of talent that could have carried that into something to kneel down. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you really start to look at it, there's parts where we see, like in the NXT women's division, it's still great. Uh, Shotzi and Ember Moon. Um, I mean, the, the women in NXT right now are doing a great job. I have no complaints. Um, SmackDown is basically Bianca Belair and everybody else. The women's tag titles is Shayna and Nia. Um, against the same three teams, Dana and Mandy, they lose. Lana and Naomi, you blew that chance back at Survivor Series, so they lose. Um, and then you had an opportunity with Billy Kay, big shock, and Carmella, big shock, and you blew that. So why? Why are we doing this? So this past week, like tonight's episode of Raw, was supposed to actually be Lana and Naomi against Shayna and Nia. And at the last moment, it got changed to a six-woman tag. 
So there's no direction. There's no roadmap. There's no, hey, we're headed this way. There's no, like, wait for it kind of moment. You know how, because you know how Triple H used to joke, like, you know, gosh, if you just give it a chance. What are we giving a chance to exactly? Because you're not laying any groundwork. Uh-huh. And it just keeps happening. It keeps happening with a division that is, you know, has so many ups and downs. Mickey James is a person that, frankly, had much more in the tank before they decided they were going to be done with her. She gets injured. She comes back and has a has a great matchup with Asuka, at least rolling into it. We come to find out that she didn't actually get hurt in that match. They just decided that was the finish they were going with. Making Mickey James look like a total chump, by the way. Um, and that's not her fault. That's just what they did to her. So this whole time, this whole routine that they've been playing off of, thinking that they're so smart, and like Brian always jokes about it, calls it the smartest person in the room syndrome, you know, that Vince kind of does. Uh-huh. And, and I don't even know if it's a Vince thing anymore. It's, it, I just think it's a mentality overall. Yeah, like, but, but like, how, we're, we're smarter than everybody in the business kind of thing. How many, how many times do you have to be told, though, like, this was changed, and it was changed by one guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has a stranglehold on that company. There's nothing that gets done there without his blessing. And I dare say, and you know it's true because it's happened, he was starting to get one on NXT. Mm-hmm. And hopefully... You know, Triple H can keep the little sugar cane out there and keep whacking him every time he comes close <laughs> and keep him away. But on Raw and SmackDown, the reason it's the same is because, once again, Vince thinks he's smarter than everybody else. And, and it's just, it's indicative of two just completely separate mentalities. You know, you've got, uh, to, to your description, uh, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. He was just with a fresh coat of paint every now and again. And then That's you've it. got a more progressive, more uh, opportunistic style in what we see on Wednesdays. Um, with Ring of Honor, they're doing their own thing. In their, they call it an ROH bubble when they do their tapings. It's very much all wrestling. It, there's uh-huh. very little, not that they're not trying to because they are, but very little storyline and just much more focus on the in-ring work. Impact is somewhere in between. The NWA is starting to come into its own. Velvet Sky debuted for the NWA, doing color commentary, by the way. Interesting tra- change of uh, habit Bell, there. Bell. That could be cool. Um, Bell, so Bell. It's, there's not a chance here that we... There's not a time right now where we don't have a choice. We have a lot of choices. Shane shared in the uh, C2C chat, he says that uh, this week, and he gives the layout... So, Monday was being the elite in Dark Elevation. I still think that's a stupid name. Just leave it And Raw. And Raw, yep. Then tomorrow is NXT, NWA, Dark. Then Wednesday is Dynamite and MLW. Then Thursday's Impact, Dark Side of the Ring. By the way, Dark Side of the Ring, Brian Pillman. Tremendous episode. It's a two-parter, two hours. Check it out. Be sure to um, put your thoughts out there because, dude, great, great episode. Um... Friday's a SmackDown, New Japan Strong. By the way, I've yet to see that. Um, I'm told it's quite good. Uh, Saturday, this weekend, is Impact Under Siege. 
And then this coming Sunday is WrestleMania Backlash. Stupid name, by the way. WrestleMania Backlash. What happened to just Backlash? We just, right. we just bored? We're going to change it up a little bit? Well, next we're going to have WrestleMania SummerSlam, WrestleMania <laughs> <Royal> Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> they should just call their, their shows from now on until they get to the big four, the road to WrestleMania, the road to SummerSlam. Oh. All right, so let me – now, is Backlash normally right after WrestleMania? Uh, or yeah, is it yeah, like as as later in the been. year? No, no. Usually Backlash is the one right after, at least back in the day, it used to be the one right after Mania. And then it was like, uh, you had a couple during the summer and then SummerSlam. And then you had like a Judgment Day kind of thing. And then Survivor Series. I see. I see. I see. So let's see here. As we continue forward with the week, um, thankfully, as far as negative news, that's really all that we had was the garbage garbage gate. <laughs> uh, WWE 2K22 video game in production right now. Visual Concepts and 2K working on it, offering a sneak peek at developmental. Uh, they have announced it, and this is, I quote from their, their press release, promising frequent and in-depth communication. With press, content, creators, and the WWE 2K community, the Visual Concepts team will offer a transparent look at the work being done to make a great WWE 2K22 experience, as well as the first steps towards an even stronger franchise in the future. I said it before we went on the air. It sounds super similar to a public relations campaign that I, I myself came up with all by myself um, for Full Sail University not too long ago. Interesting. If uh, Xavier Woods, by the way, shows up in their next set of ads, I'm done. I'm done. Closing my account. That's funny. Hey, you know, why can't why can't we just like get a copy of uh, No Mercy or what was it, WrestleMania 2000? Yeah, yeah. Just just and modernize it and give it to us. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Why does it have I mean, to be so damn difficult? <laughs> I don't, I don't, hopefully, hopefully that's what we get from AEW. Um, well, who knows when that's going to happen? Because they're oh, okay. I I give them a lot of a lot of slack, dude. I really do, and I love their figures. I love their shirts. They do a great job with their merch, but their game updates are the worst. They're the worst. Oh uh, yeah, we've, uh, we've talked to the guy from Ukes and uh, and it's yeah, well, crickets you, for months. Yeah, but so, but I'm sure they're working on it. Yeah, I sure, mean, sure, sure they are. You, you bunch no of, in, you <laughs> bunch of impatient little bastards. I want it now, Daddy. I want it now. <laughs> yeah, there, here, Faruka. <laughs> Again, no one's getting these references. I don't care. It matters to me, damn it. <laughs> but, I mean, Just have patience, man. Have patience. I mean, so listen. So that as far as the AEW game, mm-hmm. right? We haven't been burned by it yet, right? That's true. So, well, so they don't they need to get out there and kiss game. their butts. Yeah, they don't need to kiss their butts. WWE video games, they, they should be kissing their butts for, uh, like, the last four or five years. Well, at least Battlegrounds was fun. At least Battlegrounds was fun. To a point. Didn't play really well, 
but it was fun. Um, yeah, to a point. You know, it you was know your, so, your it franchise was, is in trouble when your your tagline is, it hits different. Yeah, well, you know you're in trouble when for $5 we'll unlock all the characters for you. Right, right. Hey, I was able to, when I when I put it on my computer, I did put 2K20 on my computer, and uh, it was like 10 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I will say this, most of the bugs fixed. It's only taken them almost two years, but most of them are fixed. The funniest one is when when somebody gets thrown into the ropes and their arm gets caught, and it literally <laughs> keeps them from going anywhere but falling down. <laughs> so the, I did funny. this the other night. There's uh, the the Bray Wyatt storyline to unlock the fiend. I Irish whip somebody into the ropes, and uh, they reverse it. And I, my character is uh, Finn Balor when I was playing, and Finn hits the rope, and his arm somehow wedges under the top rope. And you see his arm just kind of raise. It just kind of goes under it and hooks it, and he just falls. Like nobody, there's nobody else in the ring. It's not even an audience. You're like in a swamp ring kind of thing. And his arm gets caught, and boom, he's down. He's done. I'm like, what the, what the hell just happened here? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so again, you know, I bought a lot of the ultimate legendary mm-hmm. whatever editions right so i have the one the steve austin where <clears throat> you get the autograph in the on the card um i think i have one of the other ones um and then you know any of the uh, the nxt one the rick flair one the john cena one mm-hmm. um i think i'm still missing one somewhere along the way but for a guy like me who values the the other stuff that comes with that that you know size that i buy i'm okay however the game should at least function and for those that spent 60 bucks just on the game only to have it you know they that's what they should have done uh, they should have thrown it in the trash bag in the trash bag gate. They should have given everybody a free copy. Be like, here, this is this is garbage to go with your garbage. Here, uh, I'll, I'll thank you to stay out of my PR campaigns, buddy, because that was my next recommendation. Was that hey, if you've got reviewers that publicly destroyed your game, the content creators that they listed, you send them a free copy and let them beta test it. Yeah, That's but how even you satisfy that, these people. You let them beta test it. That's what you do. Yeah, but it, do you know how? To where it was, I, I, I don't trust anybody. In as far as a WWE video game, hearing about it in a magazine, on Twitter, <sighs> Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. Any other streaming service, I mean, if it, even if somebody, you know, like friends only, you know, I'm not listening to none of that crap. Farmers only, whatever. There's nobody that convinced me your game is any good. How dare you smirch the good name of FarmersOnly.com. I have sat through the last two versions of pure crap. <laughs> yeah, um, 19 really wasn't much better. I mean, it was good, oh. but it wasn't like it didn't have as many bugs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
I, I don't know why the desire has... And WWE has been infamous for this. You know, they get a game engine that's cool. Like, you remember Raw in the Royal Rumble? That was actually kind of a fun game engine. You had your grapple, you had your, your move set, and you had a finisher. It's really all you need. It, it, it doesn't have to be ridiculous. So they move away from that and go to the arcade game Mortal Kombat style, which I hated. It was the worst. But why did they go with that? Because they thought it was the popular thing. Well, of course, it's three years too late. Nobody buys it. So WWE WrestleMania and In Your House, both of those games get, you know, uh, clearanced out at your local Walmart. And then finally, along comes SmackDown and WWF WrestleMania 2000. And very quietly, you see these two different brands get, get pushed and created and grown. And SmackDown was good. You know, WWF Warzone and Attitude, you could see the evolution of that. I kind of skipped past Attitude and Warzone, but even those were different. They weren't great, but they were different, and they gave you something. But SmackDown was really what pushed that brand growth. Then they get the No Mercy, and it's like, oh, this is the game. This is what you have. You've got creativity, you've got storyline, you've got... Uh, the season ability, right? So you've got an ability to play it long past your story mm-hmm. mode. So, and then remember SmackDown 2, where you could literally create a season that just played endlessly. Mm-hmm. You get into PlayStation 2, you remember SmackDown, just bring it. Graphically looked great. That was really the only big part. There was no storyline, no creativity, really. There was no anything. But suddenly you can see WWE shifting towards that type of game. Here comes the pain comes out. Great game. Everybody's like, wow, what a huge improvement. So what do they do? They go to they they do this for a couple of years and then they go to SmackDown versus Raw. And again, take some time, get to get used to the kind of controllability. And I think it was two thousand eleven was the last edition, and they go to two K and they screw it up again. (laughs) So three years later, two K fourteen comes out and finally it's oh wow, this is really good. You know, you got creativity, you got legends, you got a story mode. The season mode is now getting talked about. It's it's getting a lot more interesting. And the next thing you know, what do we have with 2K16 and 17? You start to notice that things aren't really changing. It starts to get that Madden feel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where the rosters are updated, but nothing else has changed. <laughs> yep. And 19 comes out and 20 come out, and now suddenly the bugs are coming back. You're like, what the hell just happened? Did we not beta test this? Did it, Was there not somebody in the back going, hmm, uh, you know, I don't think their eye is supposed to fall to their knee. I think it's supposed <laughs> to be. Like, somebody in quality control doesn't just go, oh, jeez. Uh, we, we, we can't release that. I mean, WCW learned from it. When Mayhem and back, Backstage Assault failed, their plan was to go to EA and, and do, like, Def Jam Vendetta. Literally, that's what WCW's next game was going to be, like Def Jam. Could you imagine how over the moon we'd have been if WCW had a game like that? It'd have been ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the hard part is... I guess the hard part is, at the end of the day, it's it's just a fight. It's a fighter sim, fighting simulator. Mm-hmm. Right? And again, you can go back to when the storyline started to pay, pr- play a more prominent role. Right. And maybe that's what you should look into. 
right? Give, give the, the storyline thing. Maybe develop it a little bit more and come up with something that made sense. Kind of, again, like No Mercy, WrestleMania 2000. Mm-hmm. You know, go back to when, you know, to, to a game where the storyline's great and there's branching storylines. And if I decide to go this way, I can go this way or this way if I go another way out and whatever. And I love the, the, the way they, the game looks now. But I, I do think that a lot of times it's convoluted, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of us that play video games can't comprehend and can't play fighting games like Mortal Kombat because we can't get the button combos down. Yeah, I hate that crap. That's why I, yeah. it's, it's to this day why I don't like playing Injustice. And I love DC yeah. Comics, but I, I just yeah. can't. I don't like them. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I I mean, in, in when I was playing Injustice and Injustice Two, I would learn a few moves, and that was pretty much my repertoire. And That's why my go to is Green Arrow because I can shoot the arrows. Yeah, I mean, half of the moves are left <laughs> on the table. Right. Uh, it's the same thing here, you know. Uh, tie up, and then you have a strong grapple, a weak grapple, and then you know there's four combinations of a strong grapple and then four of a weak grapple and oh my god I hope I hit the button right because if I hit the strong grapple too early in the match I'm going to get the move reversed and then yeah then the whole reversal thing the reversal thing most of the time doesn't work right the bane of my existence is reversal yeah Yeah. so I mean I'm not saying don't have reversals but I think sometimes you put more importance on a reversal It'd be nice if you come up with some type of something different to get the reversals, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and or, I mean, maybe we're ahead. just holding out hope that AEW comes out with their own super card. I don't know. Hey, I'm down with that. Uh, or, you know, why not if you're going to make people train, then the emphasis should be on stats, to build mm-hmm. your character up, and the more points you put into reversal, the more points, you know, the easier reversals will be, you know, as the match progresses. Of course, right. they'll get harder, but, you know. Oh, and I don't need to max my stats out at 100. You could ultimately give me, you know, over the course of my career, 20 opportunities to, you know, level stats. I mean, there's there's plenty you can do, but again, I think a lot of times video game companies, ah, eh, we found suckers, they'll buy it. Right. Well, I mean, it's it's like that with a lot of video games nowadays. Um, One of the things I've noticed on uh, Diablo 3 is, while it's extremely replayable, one of the cool parts, right, is that their seasons basically are repeating. Like, ever, there's a pattern to it. You know, if you wait until probably next November, October-ish, you'll get a chance to play an old Tristram again. You know what I mean? Like, those are kind of cool, but after a while, you're like, right, well, how about we just focus on a new a new game? <laughs> like, you sent that link over the other day, and I was like, dude, can't wait for Diablo 4. That's going to be great. Right. I guess now, for now, I'll play Diablo 3, but still. Yeah, but, you know, again, they're you know, for like Diablo, I would much rather them because I know what to expect. 
Mm-hmm. I'd much rather them take a few years. You know, because again, so, you know, that's one of the problems probably with the wrestling game, especially WWE. They're, they churn them out every year. Mm-hmm. Nothing says I need a new one every year. Give me some DLC, space it out right. Give me some legends so to change up my roster, update my roster, whatever. But I don't need a new wrestling game every year. It's the same as Madden. Eventually, I just don't want to play. That's why That's why I didn't buy anything after 2017. And even then, I, I took it right back to GameStop once I was done with it. Yeah, Probably well, again, I, I, I get into the other stuff. Well, I like the season mode stuff, but once... No, no, I'm talking like the collectible stuff. Oh, well, yeah. So as we get ready to close out, uh, focusing on this week, we talked about the schedule. This week's uh, episode of Dark Side of the Rings, Ultra Violence and Nick Gage. It's going to be great. It's got John Moxley in it talking about Nick Gage. Looking forward to that. Um, Dynamite, of course, has the Bucks defending against SCU. That by itself is a reason to watch Dynamite. That's going to be a good matchup. I don't know what this week's main event on NXT is. Um, let's see if I can pull that up real quick. Something with Johnny Gargano. Uh, you know, they, he has actually not been the highlight of NXT for me. The highlight of NXT has honestly been the women's tag team titles. Um, if you missed it last week between The Way and Shotzi and Ember, great, great street fight. Very, very good stuff. Um, and, oh, by the way, Kyle O'Reilly, Orange Cassidy called. He wants all of his gimmick back. Just quit, man. Just quit, Steve. It's not right. Yeah, we sh- uh, I think you're very remiss, though, not to mention Moxley versus, uh, what is it, Nagata? Oh, yes. Yuji Nagata challenging for the IWGP United States Championship on Dynamite. That, that will be a great matchup. I, I don't think... Dynamite will be disappointing at all. It's, again, it remains appointment TV. Um, you have to make time to watch it because you don't want to miss what they're going to do next. Uh, that's really the bottom line. Oh, yeah, and Darby, Darby and Miro. Because Stan Cole, Stan Cole said so. Yeah. What? Catch up with Brian on Twitter. Brian, what's the new Twitter handle? Uh, I changed it. Uh, B. Taylor at, yeah, at uh, C2C Radio Show. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Rob Hefner, C2C. You can catch up with me at Stan Grub everywhere. The show is C2C Radio Show, Corner to Corner Show on Facebook, C2C Radio Show.com and Spreaker.com slash C2C or Corner to Corner. And of course, Twitch.tv slash New Attitude Media. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's been a great night of wrestling action as Raw continues to wind down. We'll see you. Maybe we. I kind of like these Mondays. I'm not going to lie. I kind of dig it. We will catch up with you uh, as soon as we possibly can. Check the site for the schedule. We'll be updating things as we go. And, uh, by the way, this isn't the first time or the last. You'll see us on Twitch. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you next time. And, uh, for the record, not putting up a list for them little twerps. <laughs> what? Yeah, you heard me. Check the list. No. This is the day. Be there, be square. Oh, shit bags. <laughs> Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 